G2 has a really special place in our hearts as a family. So I just want to say it's really, really encouraging to come here. I've managed to avoid coming back for three years uh, because in my mind, you're still in the gym. I want to kind of say good morning to you, but it's good afternoon. And, and it's just, it's amazing, really encouraging just to stand here and see what God's doing. And I've got some, we've got some really good friends here at G2. Uh, some of you are in this room and uh, it's, it's a real privilege to be back here with you. Um, we're going to talk a little bit. Christian asked me um, to talk to you uh, as part of the series on leading in Lent and to think about prayer. And if it's all right with you, I just want to share with you some of the things that, well, if it's not all right with you, it's tough, isn't it? But um, I just want to share with you some of the things that I feel that God's kind of um, saying to me at the moment. And it's more to do, it's not so much to do with um, prayer as we, might, as we might typically think about it. It's more to do with practicing a life where we're aware of God's presence. And if we are able to do that, if we're able to live a life where we're practicing um, that sort of way of living, being aware of who he is, being aware of what he says about us, being aware of what sort of a God he is, how amazing he is, of the love that he has for us, that he's here with us now, but not just now, he's here with us in every aspect of our lives. If, if we're able to be in that place where we are aware of that, then we will respond in prayer. We can't help but respond in prayer. We'll be saying thank you, God, for this. And we'll be praying for the things that are happening around us because we know he's here with us. If you like, every moment is a holy moment as we are aware of God in, in our lives. So what we're going to do, I'm just going to show you a little bit of a video, hopefully. Uh, and this is Matty. We went to Romania. Matty's my middle child. He's nine years old. And we went to Romania last Easter on a mission trip as a family. I'll talk a little bit more about that um, later. Um, but this was us taking off and I just want in our minds this image of, if you've been on a, most of us probably have been on a plane, this, when you go through the clouds, you know, you start off on the ground. And I remember the first time I flew, it was a grey day, drizzle everywhere. I can't remember where I, I took off from, somewhere like Stansted. And you know when you take off and then you go through those clouds and then you're above the clouds and you see, it's amazing, isn't it? You see that, that sort of carpet of white cloud below you. And suddenly you're into the sunshine. And it's this idea that even though we were down there on the, on the tarmac underneath the clouds, the sun was still shining up there. Yeah? We went through the clouds and the reality of the fact that the sun was shining became apparent. And it's this idea I want us to think about uh, this afternoon. I keep wanting to say this morning. This afternoon... This, this the idea of the reality that the sun is always shining. The reality of who God is, the reality of who we are in God, is true all the time. But often we live our lives under the clouds. And it's learning to live our lives above the clouds and aware of that that we're thinking about this afternoon. So if we could just have a look at this little bit of video just to get that image in our minds. You'll see Matty. I love this. This is the first time Matty flew. So I love the look on his face. Um, see what you think. <laughs> so I'd just like us to have that image in our minds as we're thinking this afternoon, that image of living life above the clouds. If you want, that's the tagline, living life above the clouds. And just, uh, I, I, you still do table talk, don't you? Yeah. Great. <laughs> I miss table talk. You know, it took me ages when I went to St. Paul's to get out of the habit of doing table talk. They don't like doing table talk at St. Paul's. I miss doing table. So what I'd like to do, just for a couple of minutes, is think, what's the first experience you remember from childhood? That was Matty's first experience of, of flying. 
what's, the, what's an experience you remember from childhood that was amazing, that, that was like that? Just a couple of minutes just to chat with people on your tables. Okay, great. I also remember this bit as well being really difficult to get people to be quiet again. So I just keep talking. <laughs> it's all coming flooding back. Well, I won't ask you what those were. Hopefully you maybe were able to talk about some things that uh, you remember from childhood. But just this, let's have in our, in our minds this idea of what would it mean to live life above the clouds? What would it mean to be able to be aware of who God is and what he says about us all the time in our lives? What would it mean for the way that we lived our lives? And how would it affect the influence we had on those around us? We're going to read um, from Ephesians, and then we'll think a little bit more about this. I did look up the page number, but I can't remember which one it was. 814. 814. So it's Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15, page 814. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. A particular verse there, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, the eyes of, his, of our hearts opened. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. We sing that, don't we? And it's that idea of opening our hearts, our eyes, to see things as life above the clouds rather than underneath the clouds. In the first verses of this chapter, Paul has spent his time praising God for who God is and for what he's done, for the reality of his love for us for the winning of us back to himself. And now we come to these next few verses where Paul prays that, Jesus, that we would know the truths about God and that our eyes would be opened, the eyes of our hearts would be opened. I know that discipleship and the working out of our faith, the stuff that happens in day, out, day in, day out, the maturing of us as Christians is foundational 
to who you are at G2. I know that discipleship, following him, knowing what God's calling you to, not just um, being a consumer of what it means to be a Christian, but actually living out the life. I know that that's foundational to what it means to be here at G2. But what, that's the foundation of how, what it was set up on. And I know that's something that's still true for you now. And it's key that we grasp hold of how we can live our lives as disciples, how we can live our lives following and walking with him. Not in the, necessarily in the easiest stuff, you know, when we're gathered together like this with people who agree with us, but also in the other stuff, the other bits of our lives. What does it mean to be a disciple in the other bits of our lives? How do we do that? How do we walk out our life as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, so that we can be influential in the way that we live our lives? At the beginning of the letter, Paul addresses it to the saints. Now, I wonder what you think about that. Do you, sitting here now, see yourself as a saint? Do you go, oh yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm a saint. That's describing me. I struggle with that but he's talking to you and me just as he was talking to the Ephesians he's saying to the saints I think the problem we have the reason we have a problem with this is because often the word saint has been hijacked hasn't it it's become something that describes something like a super Christian you know someone who's done it all who's kind of cut above the rest a hall of fame if you like of Christians Eugene Peterson points out that this word has been hijacked to mean an elite group of outstanding Christians. But originally, the word saint defines someone who was set apart, chosen, sanctified, holy. It's God's work in us. We stand, we sit here now as saints, a holy people, not because of something that any of us have done, but because of what God's done in us. That's what makes us saints. And Eugene Peterson says, the most important thing about any one of us is not what we do, but what God does. Not what we do for God, but what God does for us. It's because we know what God does, it, does in and for us that we are no longer lost in the cosmos. Paul, in his letter, wants us to know this. You are a saint because of what God's done in your life. You are precious to God because of what he's done in your life. Even before what he's done in your life, you're precious to him, you're loved. And then his work in your life, in my life, is what makes me and you saints. All the glory goes to him, but we are saints. And the moment we start knowing that, the moment we start walking every minute of our lives knowing that truth, is the moment we're really getting discipleship right. It's the moment we're starting to live above the clouds, where the sun is always shining, and we're not allowing the clouds to to hinder, to, to cover that up, to hide that from us. Paul knows that the extent to which our eyes are opened to these truths, and not just these eyes, but the eyes of our heart, So that it beds itself into our very being. The extent to which we know that is the extent to which we will mature in our walk with Jesus. We are saints, a holy people, set apart to be a sign of the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful story. He takes messed up people like you and me and he turns it into something beautiful. 
That's what makes us saints. Nothing we do, just surrendering ourselves to Christ. Allowing his story, his truths, to be the truths that we listen to. I remember when I got my first, this is going to date me, I remember when I got my first Walkman, and it was a tape recorder. And um, I remember, walk, I lived in London at the time, and I remember walking around London, and um, I used to walk to work, quite a bit of my uh, journey to work was walking, and I'd stick this, the, my headphones on, and I remember the soundtrack, I don't know if you, if you listen to music regularly on earphones, it changes the way you see things, depending on what music you're listening to. You'll know what I mean if you do this. Depending on what music you listen to, it changes the way you see people, the way you see things. I'm a big fan of a band called Simple Minds, and, um, <laughs> and they... they I, I usually get more of laughter than that when I say that, so, so some of you must like them. Um, and I bought a music book from them, and, in, and in, inside the cover it said... The Walkman has changed the way we understand our cities. And I knew what that meant. Do you know what I mean by that? By the soundtrack that you listen to. And if you think about movies, you know, great movies have great soundtracks, don't they? You know, that, that is what brings, it helps you to see the pictures on the screen in a way that you wouldn't see otherwise because of the soundtrack that you're listening to. You know, you only have to think of some of the great movie soundtracks and if they weren't there, or if it was something totally irrelevant to the, to the thing you're seeing, how that just wouldn't work. What we listen to is so important. And I see, I, th- I think of this a little bit like the soundtrack. One of the things that God's really been challenging me about is what's the soundtrack to my life? What's the thing that I listen to that enables me to see the world the way God sees it? The way that enables me to see me the way God sees me. What's the soundtrack to your life? And as we live above the clouds, the soundtrack to your life will be, God is good, God is loving, God loves you. God cares for you. God wants to use you and work with you in every moment of your life. So what's the soundtrack that you listen to? Do you hear God's voice? It's a little bit like that. You know that that beautiful bit in the Bible where Jesus is baptised and he comes up out of the water and the soundtrack to Jesus' life that enabled him to do his ministry was this is my son whom I love. Before Jesus had done anything, this is my son whom I love. And it was out of that soundtrack to his life that he was able to then live, do what he did in the security and knowledge of the love of his father for him. And you and me are the same, children of God. You are my child whom I love. Is that the soundtrack that enables you to live your life? If we're honest then, this isn't our everyday reality. That's just the truth of it, isn't it? The truth of it is we'll walk out of here later on. We might remember some things that are said. We might remember some conversations we have. We get back into our everyday life. Tomorrow morning, whatever we're doing, we'll get back into our everyday life. And suddenly we kind of come back below the clouds. Or the soundtrack changes, if you like that analogy. And the question I'm asking is this afternoon is, how do we live above the clouds? How do we keep that soundtrack playing all the way through in all that we're doing.
I was thinking about Usain Bolt. I don't do that often, but I was thinking about Usain Bolt. And I was thinking, you know, fastest man on the planet at the moment. Um, imagine that he um, was lining up on the start line, but he decided, instead of the usual kind of gear that he'd wear to run in, um, he put on sort of ski salopettes and moon boots and um, decided that's how he's going to... As far as I know, there's no rule that says he's not allowed to do that. He could turn up to an Olympics or a race and, and, and do that if he wanted to. But he'd be a fool, wouldn't he? It would hinder him being able to run the race. So often our rea the reality of us living under the clouds is a bit like us being Usain Bolt putting on those things. The truth is we don't need to do that. The truth is those things hinder us. So, what is it that hinders you and me? Perhaps that's something you can be asking God. What is it that hinders me? What are those things that I put on that stop me being able to run the race that God's called me to do? And for each one of us, it will be different, won't it? There'll be different things that do that to us. But what is it? Ask God now, in your hearts, be asking, what is it that you're challenging me about? What is it that stops me seeing things the way you see things? We're told we can draw on wells of living water, yet so often we're thirsty. That we have this spirit within us that gives us peace beyond understanding, yet so often we feel anxious. That we're princes and princesses in the kingdom of God, but so often we feel like spiritual paupers. So often it feels like we're just here in a building, when in actual fact, we are God's chosen, set-apart people, living in the hearts of the triune God, in the centre of his love. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we may see this, that we may see you. What God says about you and me is constant. The glorious riches of our inheritance is true. The sun is always shining, but our experience is very much in flux. We live in a smog. We listen to lies about God. We listen to lies about ourselves. And again, what might those lies be? What people do we have in our lives that say things that don't encourage us to hear the soundtrack of God? What things do we choose to do that hide us from the truth of life above the clouds? We breathe in the smog and the extent to which this happens, we don't feel the reality of God. How we fly above these clouds, this is the question of discipleship. How we live in the truth of God and what he says in that place of relationship is an ongoing conversation in the sense that that's where our lives will become prayer. The extent to which we are aware of that life above the clouds then we will start to be praying. An example is I've been trying to do this in my life, and this is something that God's really been challenging me about. Um, as I said, I'm a teacher three days a week, and um, in the classroom, there isn't often a lot of time to kind of take stock. Um, you, you're kind of on the go all the time. But I've tried to just step back for a minute, 30 seconds, and just say these things, say truths about God, that I'm here and I'm called by God to this place. This is what God's called me to do. One of the things God's called me to do. That these children who are sat in front of me are loved children of God. And suddenly my life, my, my life as a teacher in that classroom, as well as all the other stuff I need to do as a teacher, becomes a life of prayer for those children. Because I'm listening to the soundtrack of God about them. And about me. And that changes things. 
It changes the way you talk to God. It, it's like you're suddenly aware of this travelling partner in the car. You know when you're travelling, you're doing a road trip, and you've got someone next to you. You chat, don't you? You talk as you're going along. Suddenly you're aware of your, your, your road trip partner. Now the one thing I think that... Um, I need to speed up. The one thing I think that is really key for helping us to do this then, how do we do this? How do we live like this? The one thing that I think is really key. Often we hear people say, and you probably have heard this said, um, are you born again is the kind of cliche phrase. You know, when were you born again? When did you make the decision? If you've made the decision, when did you seal the deal? Often, you know. Now, it's important, very important, that we know when we sealed the deal, when we said yes to God. But too often, that's seen as something that happened there, and that's it, done deal, we're finished. You know, it's like a fire insurance policy. You know, we're saved from hell, there are off to, well, to heaven. And too often, the focus is on that. When I think the really important question is not when did you surrender to Christ, whenever that was, yesterday, 20 years ago, whatever it is. The question is, are you surrendered now? And, and now? And two seconds later, are you surrendered now? That's the real question of discipleship. Are you walking it out now? The event is important. It's a flag in the ground, isn't it? It's a marker. It's a, it's a statement of intent. This is who I am. Baptism's like that, isn't it? When we get baptised... We're saying, this is what I'm about. This is my, I'm in a new life. I'm a new creation. But that's not, that's the start. That's the statement of intent. But too often we compartmentalise our lives and we don't think about surrendering our lives in the day in, in the day out, in the everyday moments. And to live a disciplined life, a life that's to be shaped by God, means to be surrendering now. It means when you go around the supermarket, pushing the supermarket trolley, are you surrendered to God then? I, 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 spoke, I said this to Pippa, my wife, and she said, when do you ever do that? <laughs> I do go to the supermarket sometimes. But whatever it is, when you're doing whatever you're going to do on Monday morning, are you surrendered then? What are you going to put in place in your life life that enables you to live above the clouds, hear that soundtrack so that you're in that conversation with your road trip partner that you're walking with through life. What can you do to do that, to, to be able to do that? <coughs> the degree to which our mundane, ordinary life doesn't have Christ in it, to that degree we are living under the clouds. And the truth is, Christ is there. He's in every moment. Every moment is a holy moment. Not so long ago, I was with my family. My, uh, Pippa's sister has twins, and it was their 17th birthdays. And their main present was driving lessons. £1,000 each. Am I just out of touch? I couldn't believe that. Is that really what it costs now? £1,000 each to drive. For my child, Joel, you're never going to learn to drive. You're riding a bike. Um, £1,000 each. Anyway, they've got their provisional licences. And if you think about that, licence says... They can get in a car, they can turn the key, they can drive. But does that mean they're good drivers? No. 
You know, that, that license there doesn't mean is that there's someone here, Gav, that's right, not in there. Crashes a lot. Okay, I'm sorry to bring it up. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but that, that, that provisional license only means it's the start, doesn't it? The start of a long and expensive journey. Um, surrendering on and on. On and on. So I want to just give you a few things that I think have helped me, but I want to in a minute just give a, a couple of minutes for table talk where you can perhaps share things that you might be helpful for other people. How do you encourage, how could you encourage people on your table about how, it might, how it's possible to live above the clouds? So listen to that soundtrack. What disciplines maybe do you know about, do you live in your life that help you? Also, what might be God challenging you about things that hinder you being able to do that, that you need to deal with in your life? That might not be something you want to talk about at the table, but still ask the question. And when we worship, bring it to God, talk to God about it, and, uh, and ask someone to pray with you if, if, if you want. So for me, I know I've got a friend, and I really like this idea. Every morning when he gets up, as he's doing his routine, brushing his teeth, Lord, this, this might seem a little bit silly, but okay, I'm just throwing it out to you, take it or leave it. But Lord, as he's brushing his teeth, Lord, make what I say today be honouring you. As he's washing his hair, may my mind be thinking about things of you. Now, for him, it works. It reminds him. It gets him in touch with the life of the clouds. Yeah? It's a little routine that he goes through. Take a minute out of your routine, like I've been trying to do in the classroom. I don't know if it's possible in what you do. I don't know what you do in the week. But so often we don't live lives of reflection, do we? We just go bang, 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 bang from one thing to the next. Take a minute to just rise above the clouds again. To tune into that soundtrack and go, I am here as a child of God. I am a saint because of what he's done. What's he wanting me to do with these people that I'm with? Just take a minute, 30 seconds, just retune, recalibrate back to it. I've got a friend who, when he preaches, he writes at the top of his notes, stay awake. And he's not just saying, don't fall asleep, he's saying, stay awake to what God is saying, to who God is. Is there somewhere you could do that? Do you have a little bit of a space where you work? Can you stick something up that reminds you of that? So every time you look up, oh yeah, that might work iPhones are great, aren't they? The little alerts you can stick on them. You know, stick a little alert. Pippa has put on our phone. Every time I drive up my drive, she's done that location thing on the iPhone. Thank God for his grace. <laughs> so every time I drive up my drive, my phone beeps at me. And says, Thank God for his grace. I, it, I do, though. I do do that. Because of that's there. Try that. And also, friends. Who is around you who, wants the, who has the same passion for the kingdom of God that you do? Do you spend time with them? I don't mean for one minute, spend time only with Christians. Please don't ever do that. But do you have... But please do find those people that will ask you those questions about what's hindering you, that, will, that share the same passion as you do. Because if we're in this place with these people, our lives will naturally turn to prayer. We'll have that conversation with God all the time. And that for me is, is prayer. That awareness of God. 
that, con that conversation with him as our friend. I'd love to, um, I'd love to just pray, and then the worship band are going to um, lead us in opening the eyes of our hearts. Um, one thing I did say I was going to say and didn't do was the uh, about our relationship. Now I've run out of time. I'm not going to say anything more about that. But one thing that we really found, one of the things that was really in our hearts as a family, was we want to, we want our, we want as a family to be living this life above the clouds. And we're aware as parents of our responsibility to disciple our children. And um, one of the things I would say that is the best way of living life above the clouds, where you tune into God, is to actually go out and do stuff. There's, there's a lot of stuff around about you've got to be a certain maturity to, of, a, of a Christian to be able to do stuff. It's rubbish. You become mature as you walk. You know, if I say I'm going to go for a walk, I can't do that in the abstract. I have to start taking steps. I have to start doing it. So we went to Romania and we prayed. <laughs> you know, we had to because we were in a, it, it was scary at times. You know, we were out of our comfort, comfort zones and my family prayed together. And you know, they still talk about it now. We talk about it and we watch the video and we think about what God did in us and what God spoke to us about. And that was what helped us to live life in that reality of, of who God is and what he says about us. So get out and do And I, I know I'm preaching to the converted here at G2 because I know that you, um, that's really part of your heart of doing stuff and serving and being out there. But it's one of the best ways of, of doing that. Can I just pray for you guys? Because... Um, it's really, really, I, I mean it, it's really, really good to be here with you. And, and um, you are a real encouragement to um, other Christians in the city of what God's doing here. And I hear obviously through Christians and through, through Christian and through friends that I have here about what's happening here. It's a real encouragement and I really want to encourage you to keep on pushing into what God's doing here. Because it is a real, it's really exciting to, to see what God's doing and hear what God's doing. So let's pray and then I'll hand over to the worship bank. Father God, I do, I thank you so much for the, for the privilege of being here, for this, this group of people in this room, for, for G2, for what you're doing in the lives of all these people who are here, for what you're doing in the community and how you're using the community of G2 to bless others. And I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to bless them, continue to bless those who lead here, continue to bless all the work that goes on May they be tuned into you. May they be tuned into your soundtrack. And I pray that you would help all here, all of us here, to live our lives above the clouds, knowing the truth of who you are and the truth of what you say about each one of us. I pray you would bless you two here. And I pray this in your precious name. Amen.